Welcome to your Drive Time News Blast, 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story, which I just, I'm actually sick of it, but it continues Uh. to be the top story. (laughs) Ah, sick of it. Uh. No pun intended. Coronavirus. I'm so sick of it. So coronavirus, I have I, I've concluded. So I just make these conclusions, take them or leave them. I'm not trying to convince anybody. I don't care. But like I, I think that it's number one function is to cover up a massive financial crash. So even though whether you think it's fake or real or people are getting super sick or not, it doesn't matter because it looks like they're going to actually use it to spark or cover or whatever, something that is very devastating to a lot of people, which is the inevitable financial correction. I don't know for sure. That's just what it feels like. That's what Event 201, the live simulation ahead of the real coronavirus was all about. And that's what the news has been all about. Now, I will also say, again, this is just me speculating. It's what I think. I just, I don't care what people think if they disagree with me. And a lot of people I respect disagree with me. I don't actually think there is a particularly virulent or deadly strain of coronavirus out there. Two things cause a cold, the rhinovirus, coronavirus, maybe other stuff too. I don't know. People die of pneumonia all the time. Anything can do it. It can be bacterial. It can be viral. It can be nothing. It can just be fluid in the lungs because their heart is in congestive heart failure, whatever. My guess is that pneumonia deaths year over year, anywhere you look at it, are probably basically flat. This thing is just a cold and that the conspiracy theory about the bioweapons lab and all the references and in like Dean Koontz's book and other things like that, people saying they they got from the inside scoop, the gain of function, all of that. Now, the gain of function thing, though, I do worry about. I'll tell you what that is. I'll remind the listener of what that is in a second. But I just think that all that stuff is meant to validate that this is something super scary when I think it is really, I personally believe it is 100% a propaganda exercise. It's so definitely a propaganda exercise. It's definitely a propaganda exercise. It could be the, real and a propaganda exercise. But I don't think be- so. I don't think they actually created this super bug. I think it's actually quite hard it would be hard to make a coronavirus that is any more contagious or deadlier. Or, or I shouldn't say that. That's not true. I think your gain of function stuff is interesting. I just think we have so many defenses against it with our sanitation and our nutrition and our personal hygiene and our behavior that actually this particular thing that you can't get like by eating food where they could like taint food. You know, that would get around. You could get that around overnight. But this kind of thing where your behavior can make a difference, I think it's actually a little it would be a little tricky for them to create the real pandemic. But the gain of function thing, just remind us what that is. Gain of function is a type of research where they take an existing virus and they make it more transmissible and more deadly. And they do it for what they say the purpose of is to fight vaccines in case this virus were to actually emerge naturally. And it's also used to create bioweapons. 
<laughs> yeah. So they were doing stuff on this on a coronavirus yeah. a couple of years ago. In 2015, we created a coronavirus from a coronavirus that originated from a bat in China. We made it transmissible from bat to human and human to human, and we made it more deadly. And that's what they're telling us. That's what the 2015 research study concluded or it came out with. And at that time, there was a ban on federally funded gain of research going on in the United gain States. Gain of function research. Gain of yeah. function research, yeah. And that was one of the exceptions that they allowed to have federal funding. Right. So, I mean, I think this thing might conceivably have been in the works for long enough for that to not even be a real story. But I have no idea. I mean, I, I have no idea. I don't care. I'm just saying that it is possible. I, I will absolutely give a nod to this idea that there is gain of function. And I absolutely think that either for propaganda purposes or really just to make it worse, they put people on these, they quarantine these cruise ships, which it was clearly an incubator. It was clearly a Petri dish. Any person who's casually educated on the basics of science and disease, like we basically all are in public school even, that would know that that's like a crazy, you get nervous on buses, on planes, and that's how they're transporting these people together. They're not taking the test seriously. It was all ridiculous. And I think that they're either promoting the story that it is messed up or that it actually would be messed up. There is There are two other features from today's news I'll share with you on this and then what you got. Is it the ship, the other ship that's being it's quarantined? The, now? the other ship. What's the Another name of it? princess, Another? Grand Princess. There's the Diamond Princess, and now there's the Grand Princess. Another tainted princess. The Lumpy Space Princess. Uh, another, yes, so they are not being permitted, last I heard. They were not being permitted to dock in California. And who's even taking cruises anymore? I mean, anyway. You know what's interesting about the timing of that story? Is I saw that first when Sanjay Gupta was on Gupta. CNN tonight. Gupta, yeah. CNN tonight last night with Don Lemon, and he was talking about this case. He was talking about this boat and how the the man who was on there, the old man, he is seventy one years old. He had underlying health issues, and everybody who's died from this had some sort of underlying health issue, and perhaps that's what died. pneumonia is. Anyway, that's yes. what these microbes do. That's what happens. So. Gupta was on CNN last night and they were promoting tonight what's going on is there is a CNN global coronavirus town hall hosted by Anderson Cooper <laughs> and Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Are they all going to be talking heads like Max Headroom or are they actually going to be in the same room together? They're going to be in the same room and they're wow, going to have all that's the ballsy. town hall people who are going to be asking, yeah, they could be <gasps> spreading the coronavirus. It's called Coronavirus Facts and Fears live at 10 p.m. and they're going to reference that boat or that ship off of California. I guarantee it. That's why that story dropped when it did. Are there plushies? I hope everybody who comes gets a free plushie. <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen the pictures I've tweeted of the Event 201 coronavirus plushie, then compare that with Bill Gates being interviewed about this novel coronavirus pictures that look exactly like the plushie, but are supposedly real, although computer generated. I never like, you know, see pictures of space and they're like, this is real, but it's computer generated. It's like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so also... Trump did something, said a uh, controversial interview he gave on Hannity last night. Similarly, 
like everything else, echoes the event to a one thing. He's like, you know, people aren't even that sick. They they could still go to work. They're not that sick. That's how not sick they are. This isn't that big a deal. And of course, the thing that made in Event 201's live simulation that made the coronavirus explode was that it was so mild for most people that they just still went to work. But I mean, it's just like when you go to school or kids go to school, you go to work and somebody has a cold, something's going around. Everybody gets it. And then... They get over it unless they're 85 and then they might die of it. Right. I want to go back to that point in a second. They announced, the White House announced that they're going to be expanding the testing measures. Testing wasn't available to everybody before. And the CDC announced that they are lessening the restrictions for what kind of test can be done to determine if you have it or not. So what's going to happen, and Sanjay Gupta confirmed this on CNN last night, is we are about to see an explosion of positive tests in the United States. He said it's going to go from a couple hundred to thousands because what he said is the virus doesn't lag, the test of the virus lags. And I have a prediction. Trump is going to be here tomorrow touring the CDC, maybe passing out some of those stuffed coronavirus animals. And my prediction is that we are going to have a breaking story tomorrow where there are new confirmed cases in Georgia, probably Atlanta, and maybe even a bunch of them falling on the same day that Trump is here. That's a totally sound, reasonable prediction. I want to say something about the test. So I was listening to Fox last night in the car, Laura Ingram, and she had a doctor who was a guest for her. And he was saying that the CDC released a lot of tests that had faulty reagents. She made him clarify that they knew the tests were faulty when they released them. So here is incompetence. There's faulty testing. Now we really don't know. And I would like to know what Sanjay Gupta's test that he's expecting this explosion, what it actually takes tests for, because it's very, very hard to distinguish. Well, I shouldn't say that. There are many tests that are have chronic false positives. AIDS tests are basically 100% false positive for hepatitis. If you have hepatitis, you will get a positive for AIDS, whether you have AIDS or not. I'm not even sure AIDS is virus, even though my brother supposedly died of it, but whatever. So I'm reading this great book by Peter Duesberg, Inventing the AIDS Virus. I mean, come on. I got the, I got the backup here. <laughs> but in any case, uh, I, especially listening to that corporate report the other day, I just have no faith whatsoever in the tests or the testing. And this is just another medical supply that Event 201 wants to alert us to needing population level, actual or virtual, whatever the hell that means, stockpiles to go through reduced scrutiny, less liability, less regulatory barriers. All of this stuff is being applied to medical supplies and big pharma. Yeah, all of these agenda items are getting ticked off. And what you said about Corbett is I believe he was talking about Cheryl Atkinson's reporting from 2009. I have a He did mention of, her. He had a lot of stuff about these tests. I have a little bit of information that she reported back in 2009. A story that she ran, it was like a year-long investigation. They went around state to state trying to find out how many of the actual H1N1 swine flu cases were verified. And she tried to get information from the CDC. 
At first, they wouldn't respond to her, so she filed a Freedom of Information Act request, and they would not respond to that. It took them like four months to even respond to her, and then they rejected her Freedom of Information Act request on the claim that it, like, it wasn't relevant. It was, it was really crazy what the reasoning was, and there was no justification to it. They were just stonewalling her, which is the title of one of her books, actually. And what her investigation ended up finding was she said that while they were waiting for the CDC to provide the data, which ultimately it eventually did after months and months of trying, they went to all 50 states and they asked for the statistics on state lab confirmed H1N1 cases prior to the halt of the testing. And the results showed a pattern that all of the people, almost all of the people who were said to have corona, not coronavirus, H1N1, Almost none of them had it. They might not have even had a seasonal flu. So all of the te- they were saying all the numbers of the people that had the H1N1, the swine flu, the alarming rising rate. Even last night on CNN, Gupta is showing, let's look at a chart of how the swine flu increased. And he showed this chart going straight up in the air. Atkinson revealed that they were not positive cases when it got down to it because the testing methods were flawed and it allowed doctors and it allowed officials just to say, oh, if you cough, you have the swine flu. The same thing that's going on right now. She proved that the alarming number of cases were not actually true back in 2009. Then they buried the story and we all know what ultimately happened to her. She got hacked by the FBI. That's the claim. She got Atkinson. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I have three things I want to say about that. what you just said. First of all, telling her the information four months later is kind of like announcing Ron Paul, the winner in Iowa right. in June yeah. of 2012, which is true. And similar to the Ron Paul thing, you're still getting reports right in the Washington Post. I tweeted it recently that, oh, Mitt Romney didn't win Iowa. Rick Santorum won Iowa. Yeah. It's eight years later. Yeah. Eight years later. And they're still, but they're still reporting it falsely. Yeah. They're right. still not. It's like the Roy Moore thing I said yesterday in the session. It's like, oh, because he was accused of that. I'm like, yes, but it was a set up, you know? Like, so they continued the Libyan decapitated ISIS people way back when. That it's was a absolute. Of lies built on yes, other lies. But it's in the mainstream media. It does emerge. The truth emerges. Yet the mainstream media goes back to the pre story and right. acts like the real facts. And then people say, oh, this conspiracy theory that you've come up with people would know it's like it's in it's it i I was just talking to uh nacho slave and he said it was like yeah like they go back and you would know the information is out there that is not a valid explanation for why conspiracy theories are de facto false the information is out there you don't believe it even if it is out there and they count on that which proves the damn conspiracy that's why they can leave event 201 out there because they know that people aren't even really believing it yeah and then the last thing i would say is they made lemonade with that story from her and they're always ready to do it it's straight out of Saul Alinsky. They said, oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, People didn't really have it. So get your flu shots. Right. And that's a great. Yeah, like millions of people didn't get a flu shot because they had the damn flu. And, you know, that happened to my son, too. He got the flu and the next year he got the flu again. I said, what good is a flu shot if even getting the actual flu doesn't prevent it? Right. In her investigation, she found she was asking what the consequences of a misdiagnosis are. And there are a lot of consequences for misdiagnoses of anything. But she was talking about how people would rush to get their children vaccinated to prevent this from happening and in some of them it could potentially I didn't I don't know if it did, maybe it did, could potentially cause Gullian Barr oh. syndrome. 
Jillian or Gillian Barre. It's uh, po- it's possibly what FDR had, and my cousin got that from a flu shot. And he was really, really sick. Her story talks about these mothers that rush their children to get these vaccinated, these hastily created vaccinations specifically for H1N1 that hadn't been tested for very long and made them vulnerable to very severe disorders, all based on lies. And that's what Dr. Shiva says. He was on tinfoil hats recently and he's running for Senate in Massachusetts. He's kind of exposing vaccines and he's an MIT scientist who actually literally invented email. Long story I won't get into. Really literally has the patent service in the Smithsonian at the age of 14. Not kidding. So he was saying how they look at I'm going to summarize and maybe even paraphrase and maybe wouldn't totally agree with it. But this is my understanding, I I believe, that what they do is they put the vaccines out there because they do help some people in the population. But what they don't do is look at how many they harm. So with the general vaccine thing, like we all need to get the measles vaccine because there's some vulnerable people in the population. He's saying there's 95,000. Let's just throw numbers out there. 95,000 vulnerable people in the population. So the 320 million people need to get a vaccine for them. However, 1 million of the 320 million are hyper vulnerable to vaccines. So you've you've hurt a million people in the name of 95,000. And those studies, that's a hypothetical or real. I don't know. But those studies are not being done or if they're being done, they're not being talked about. They're not being evaluated. They're not being used now. I don't know what that guy's story is. Maybe he's just asking for us to put a lot of money into testing. You know, I mean, it's like the old Edward Snowden thing. I just want the conversation. It's like, well, you're a limited hangout. So obviously the conversation is going to going to skew in your direction. But that's I, I think that this thing with the vaccine, it does hurt people. And I'm not sure the flu vaccine even works because it's last year's flu. Yeah. And so the deaths being counted, this fear mongering, it doesn't only hurt people, it kills people. They have this, they're talking about this nursing home they're investigating in Seattle, and they're going to start investigating nursing homes around the country because this is going to be your most vulnerable group of people to dying of pneumonia. People live in nursing homes because their body is falling apart with age, and they have underlying issues. They have compromised immune systems. And congestive heart failure keeps your stuff from moving around there. Right. Compromised respiratory systems. You can get pneumonia from that. And in hospitals, people in ICU, they transfer pneumonia to each other. And what happens when someone gets pneumonia that is old is... They get the care of experts, of professionals who deal with this, doctors and nurses who on a regular basis are helping keep these people alive, helping them overcome the pneumonia. That's how you survive the pneumonia. But what's happening because of the coronavirus fears is the general public broadly thinks the coronavirus is going to kill them and it's been stigmatized with that scarlet C and people don't want to get near or touch anyone with the coronavirus. So inside of these nursing homes, these people who are already sick and could die of any number of reasons are being isolated in their rooms. They're catching pneumonia and in other situations, they would get this expert care and potentially survive it. But instead, they're being left alone and they're they're being held away from the expert care they're being held on a cruise ship and they're they're dying and they're dying not from the coronavirus they're dying from fear-driven neglect is what they're dying of it that reminds me of the iatrogenic disease where you are actually that's what i think the azt aids connection is azt which is the supposed treatment for aids actually causes aids symptoms it causes the exact same symptoms so 
uh, that happens quite often. And you could say it's sinister conspiracy, whatever, or you could just say this, this weird circle of misdiagnosis where the person's illness continues to get worse. So you give them more of the drug, but but the actual approach, the medical approach to all of this, like the Hurricane Reed example from yesterday, can and probably is exacerbating the fatality rate. That alone could account for it. Very small changes in behavior can account for big changes in small numbers. Absolutely. I mean, a 90-year-old person dies in a nursing home who's been isolated for three days, whose family is not allowed in to see them, who people aren't being allowed in to even help these people. And they're going to say, must be the coronavirus, not any of the other long list of ailments that this person had or the neglect. It's ridiculous. It's bloating the numbers. Absolutely. And it's causing real damage. So you can, this is, I believe this is a propaganda campaign, but they do not care that it actually kills real people. Actually, they wanted to, in my opinion. That's of course just my opinion, but uh, there's more important stuff out there. Can I tell you you ready important stuff about in the world than coronavirus i have a couple other quick things about the coronavirus okay go for it a survey in south korea found that people fear being stigmatized more than they fear the virus itself and the last time there was a healthcare crisis in south korea they implemented some legislation that gave broad powers to the state and these broad powers are playing out in south korea who has some really hardcore surveillance methods they have like an app that alerts people when someone who might have the virus who might have it is in the general vicinity and they're receiving notifications like so and so who so and so is at a sexual harassment camp right now down the street from you and is now going over to a bar and so they're tracking these people and revealing personal details about their lives through this app that's and pretty it's, crazy it's, this is the indirect or the the direct effect of the legislation that they created the last time there's a healthcare crisis which is what that's you're the about. thing you got to watch out for those black swan laws. I mean, they're putting them in place. I, I wouldn't put it past them. And actually, I do think that's our, that was my initial thought of what this was, that this is a way for them to get all these black swan laws in, in yeah. place so that when they do a real one or something real happens, they can make sure because it's all about keeping the money flowing at the top. It's yeah. all about keeping the hierarchy in place. It's always been about that. It was like that between in World War One, World War Two. It was always about keeping that money flowing just into that in that sphere where it's always flowing, even though millions of people were dying. And I think that those laws are going to be put into place for just that reason. Absolutely. Last thing I went into Walmart last night at 10 o'clock, the water aisle completely empty. The paper yeah. towels aisle completely it's messed empty. Up. Yeah. It's messed up. They're panicking. Now I mean, the more important issues of the world. Well, <laughs> she's not persisting. Elizabeth Warren, she must <laughs> persist. She's not persisting. <laughs> I, what happened to nevertheless? I got a tattoo. Nevertheless, she persisted. For a little while. You need to add for, for a, a little, little while. while on there. Uh, yesterday's news. But she is not... This is the big mystery. She has not endorsed someone yet. I know. Everybody's wondering, is it going to be Biden or Biden? It's probably going to be Biden. So let me just tell you, Biden has 553 pledged delegates and Sanders has 488. So, I mean, the superdelegates could make that decision. There's plenty more of delegates, pledged delegates to get pledged. This Biden thing, I don't know. It's a geriatric heavyweight battle we got going on here. So, yeah. 
So these people are pushing 80 years old and they're this is like this is a heavyweight but the, the drama they're injecting into this in the media is unbelievable. Like all this Biden stuff, the story was all about everybody thought Biden was gone. How did we get it so so wrong? You didn't get it wrong. All you did was say that so that you could act surprised when he ended up getting pushed through. Well, there are some actually important things coming out of this election. I don't know what this campaign, I don't know what the ultimate thing with Bloomberg is throwing to Biden. I don't know if he then gets to be like Biden is the billionaire's choice. I don't know how that's going to go. But Tulsi Gabbard, I keep wondering what role she was meant to play here. And something very significant happened. And that she she I guess her account was suspended during or after a debate recently, whatever last debate she was in. And she sued Google and a ruling came out that she did. She lost that ruling. A federal judge ruled that Google is not a government entity and therefore has no obligation to respect her First Amendment rights. They suspended and, her Gmail account. Sorry, did I say Gmail? Like a Twitter account or no, whatever. I don't know yeah, what the hell know. it was. So some they suppressed her. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was in the search. Let me see. Was she sued federal, let me just read the quote. A federal judge has rejected a lawsuit in which Democrat Republic Representative Tulsi Gabbard accused Google of temporarily suspending her uh, presidential campaign ads due oh. to political bias. Noting that the online search giant is not a government entity bound by the First Amendment, is how the judge ruled. Now, I would say a couple of things are wrong with that. First of all, if you read that court's article about how and why the NSA created Google, and that's just one thing. There's many other reports on Google's connections to the government. So I would say the Google is an extension of the defense industry, and it is a creation of the government for the purpose of dominating the public square, so I would say it's not it's not just by, you know, it, it is included as a government entity by implication. It is the it has was created as the public square. You can see it in cast unseen stuff, whatever. A lot of reasons for that. Then. So I would say it is the government. And that's why you have to have the First Amendment right there. But I would also say and this is not the way I read free speech because I believe in uh, strict private property rights. However, this is something libertarians have to watch out for. It's a, it's a problem is that you, you die by the sword, but you can't live by the sword. So the sword, like I am not going, okay, Google can suppress my speech. I could do that. I do do it. Actually. I took it when WordPress took me down, but so if you want to go to the public's parking lot and hand out political flyers, they cannot stop you. And it's because the way it went down in the courts, if this is from memory, but I could recreate it, I'm sure, if I, I looked at all the cases again. The premise is that the cops protect that property. It's public property, and for that reason, it's considered public enough that you have the right to public speech on that property, even though Publix doesn't want it, and it'll put signs up that say, we did not authorize this, but you still have to allow it. And then the other thing is, if Google wants to claim... Either Google is a publisher, in which case it has editorial rights and then it has to take responsibility for it, or it's a platform, in which case it does not have editorial responsibility or rights, in which case it would lend itself to whatever people want to put up there. So I'm not crazy about that argument, because if you call it a publisher, it can just censor you 
and claim that it's censoring you because it has a political position. But this was not the first. There was another case against YouTube that came out last week in a similar way. So it seems to me that that Google is going to get the best of all worlds. It's going to be treated as a private enterprise when it suits it. It's going to be used to censor. The fact that it is an extension of the government, it's crystal clear to me that its purpose is to censor, that it is going to censor. This Tulsi thing was probably just a trial run or whatever a case that would set a precedent yeah on purpose the world runs through google and social media it is like the borg in star trek and, and it's and it's a monopoly everything. in its space yeah. when you look at stuff that's a monopoly in its space for without any real barrier century now it has networking effects where like just so many people are on it but it's very hard to break into that and if the government has given it protection or funding it i mean i think sergey brin basically created this stuff in a in a mit contest or something you know there's just always been a ton of government money there they're picking the winners and losers that's it i do i have something on the fisa thing but it can wait till tomorrow if you want or i can just throw it out there now okay or should i talk about this terrorist another terrorist going to jail on a plea bargain you choose it's binkley's choice the fisa, FISA. okay good we'll talk about the terrorist tomorrow the fisa thing fisa is up for renewal it's the foreign intelligence surveillance act of 1978 and it was meant to separate out how citizens are treated versus foreigners for surveillance purposes. Now, I'm not a big reader of the 14th Amendment, like an overly broad reader of the 14th Amendment. I don't necessarily think it addresses all of the factors that people say it addresses, but it does say pretty blatantly that anyone here, and I would say digitally here, is going to have to be counted. Anybody here is protected by our laws. So I don't even believe in that fine line at all. And that fine line is not respected as Bill Barr, the attorney general himself quoted or cited in the project guardian about how to red flag laws, mental health issues, the lessons that we've learned from our fight on terrorism, which by the way, almost always is used as an excuse to suspend the constitution and our rights saying that doesn't apply to us, but they've been using the FISA act for, there were, I think in, since in the first 10 years after 9-11, the, I don't know if it was FISA or the Patriot Act, but I think it was FISA after the Patriot Act, there were 1,600 drug cases and 15 terrorist cases using this excuse. Now, those are, are domestic cases, money laundering, white collar crime, child porn, blackmail, spying, and, quote, corrupt foreign leaders. Now, this idea of corruption is a way for, they're all corrupt. All leaders are corrupt. This is a way to target the ones you don't like. And they're using FISA for that. They're skirting the laws for that. Barr wants a clean reapproval of it without any modifications. People like Rand Paul want modifications. Of course, Bill Barr is for like the least protections we could ever possibly have. And I think this whole, they, they had this Carter Page story in the news, like, oh, Carter Page it was never meant to surveil someone like Carter Page. Trump was hurt by it. I think the way it's going to come out is that between Trump and Barr, I don't know how they're going to kind of position it, but it's going to look like, hey, we understand the dangers more than anyone. We are victims of it. But this is just too important. It's like Obama bo- dropping 20,000 bombs a year on Syria. Like, yeah. hey, I am brown, but we still have to drop these bombs. Yeah. It's- so that's how I think that's all. Uh, anyway, it's definitely going to get rubber stamped. It was such a big controversy, and it probably is going to get rubber stamped. You're right. And people will forget about it because it won't be subject to the news anymore. One more quick thing. Alex Trebek celebrated his 
first year surviving cancer yesterday in a video and he talked about how he was now in one of the 18 percent of patients to survive their first year diagnosis and i have to say that if you haven't watched any of alex trebek's videos of him talking about his fight against cancer you should watch them because they're downright inspiring he's got the best attitude positive he's a fighter he tells other people with cancer he talks about john lewis let's beat cancer together the guy will give you goosebumps and he will make you tingle and if you want feel good if you want hope if you want to see someone who will make you want to be better watch some of alex trebek's videos talking about his battle with cancer it really is inspiring he is a good dude with an open mind and he's a fighter and i like him right on way to be positive You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every week afternoon at thepropreport.com at 4 p.m. or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to y'all tomorrow.